Big Dancy. And I'm Hannah Hampton, and you're listening to HR After Hours. Well, vote for me unexpectedly and call me Pete. <laughs> Hannah Hampton, how the hell are you doing today? I am good. That was a very timely opening. <laughs> All right. So anything new going on at the uh, Hampton Manor? You guys got anything crazy going on? No, uh, nothing exciting to report to the podcast. What yeah, about you? you? Know, nothing too exciting. I have spring fever, and you and I have been talking about this uh, the last couple of weeks, so I'm starting to just get out, to get out, right? Mm-hmm. And so I did go check out this week the Shenyun Dance Troupe. Oh, hilarious. And I've seen ads for that. Right, those ads years. pop up right before they come in. Mm-hmm. I have wanted to check this thing out for like four years and every time I the timing's just ever been right and I just I just had never done it and that friggin ad popped up for the 100th time and I said oh you got me and I I will tell you visually stunning it was awesome I promise they're not a sponsor of the program but it was it was a great outing it was humorous it was actually very family friendly. It's actually great for a date as well. Promised they didn't pay me to say that, but uh, I did want to put it out. Hey, we'd take it if they wanted to. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, let's jump right in. We don't do politics, but there was a reason I jumped in with the Mayor Pete intro. Uh, we'll, we'll, We'll just touch upon this very quickly, but I thought this was interesting. So President Trump fired two of the most prominent witnesses in the impeachment inquiry within hours of each other Friday evening, moves that amounted to retribution against those he holds responsible for his attempted removal. Gordon Sondland, the ambassador to the European Union, said he was informed of Trump's intention to recall him on Friday. Earlier in the day, Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman and his twin brother were both removed from their post at the National Security Council. I mean, even the article, retribution. So uh, I guess retaliation isn't a thing in the in politics. Yeah, in the that's, it seems, you know, and I will fully disclose, I don't know a lot about the story. If you see reports from the EEOC, retaliation is always their number one claim. So this, to me, is, is it'll be interesting to see where it goes because it feels retaliatory to me. Again, I don't have the full story. I could be wrong, but man, that was the first thing that popped in my head. <laughs> Retaliatory indeed. And I do not have a political stance in this conversation. No. I just, uh, I, I think what this is, this is I do want to watch this with you. Mm-hmm. Just to, And I've got to find a way to, to get the, the information as condensed and concise as possible. Because this I just can't even watch any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. But... This has really piqued my curiosity about human resources in the government. Sure. So that's something that if we have any listeners that have had experience in the government from an HR perspective, we would love to hear from you. Shoot us an email. Hit us up on one of our social media pages. Even if you want to talk offline, online, this is something that is now, uh, it's a peak new interest for me. Sure. So, uh, so we're we're going to try to learn a little bit about this. The tricky part, of course, is just not forming an opinion. But I think that we can do that because we're both professionals. Exactly. No, that's. But true. I know you have a story for us today. I, I went do. on such a rant uh, last week that I need to hand over the mic and the reins. I've got a couple 
uh, angry email saying, <laughs> hey, we know you're not as cute as Hannah and we'd like to hear from her more. And I was just like, you know, I talked a lot. So <laughs> let's hear what's going on. Sure. Well, there is an article that I read in SHRM, Society for Human Resources Managers, which it's so funny. Real quick side note. I talk about SHRM at work a little bit, and I am a department of one. And many times people stop me. They're like, what is SHRM? And I forget that uh, outside of the HR world, you may or may not know what SHRM is. But Society of Human Resources Manager, it's a huge uh, membership group, which I am a SHRM member proudly and certified. So there there was an article posted uh, saying replace the last chance agreement and the final written warning with crossroad co- Crossroads Conversation. Oh. So I'm, I'm not going to lie. I didn't. <laughs> I have skimmed the article, so I didn't read the full thing, but the title totally piqued my interest because I am passionate about putting the human back in human resources, and I feel like uh, many times in my life, I have seen managers want to use the last chance agreement or the final written warning as a means to exit somebody out of the business, which to me, that is not the right way to go about doing something. So I I think it's a good conversation around, okay, let's put the human back into human resources and talk about what we should actually be doing as as managers, as leaders and companies, when you've got an employee who is either underperforming or exhibiting other behaviors that would need these types of conversations. So uh, Mick, have you ever had, when you were back in your HR non, you know, only recruiting role, did you ever deal with managers who were like calling you up saying, hey, I need to put somebody on a last chance agreement. I need to exit them out of the out of the business without really truly taking the correct steps to correct the behaviors. Is that something you've ever seen in your life? Unfortunately, quite a bit. And I mm-hmm. think that you could not have worded that question better because you even said, have they called you saying, you know, asking about the last chance agreement and then that they said, I want to get this person exited. So mm-hmm. right there, it's not cor- a corrective tool, so to speak, if the agenda is mm-hmm. to get this person out of the system. Right. So you're right. That, it's I mean, not a means to an end. It's not a means to an end. And I think a lot of times people try to use that as the way to, again, exit somebody out of the business, which we all know that's the wrong, wrong way to look at it. I agree. I agree. So yes, I've seen it. It's very common. Uh, and it, it's very disappointing and frustrating because it is very rarely have I heard the words, I've got this person that I know can be great and I want to figure out how I can make them better. So I right. want to write them up. No, exactly. So think, I'm going to take it a couple steps back. So think about recruiting and that's the world that you're in right now. We spend a lot of time and effort to find these people. And when we hire them, of course, we have these really high expectations around performance that they're going to perform. So we bring people into our businesses with the expectation of not, hey, how am I going to exit them? But how am I going to get them to perform in a way that's going to help my business move forward? So I always like when I have the conversation, I take a step back and talk about, okay, when we hired this person, what were our expectations? Now, to also put my like true HR person hat on, like certainly there are behaviors and things that 
do uh, require an exit, be it harassment, discrimination, things of that nature. But when it comes to performance and if somebody is falling below expectations on performance, we really need to be doing the right things to help them perform before our decision is exiting them out of the business. And, you know, what I liked about the article, they talked about, uh, they called them crossroads conversations. I like to call them crucial conversations because it's crucial to their future with the company. But really, before going to that step of, hey, you know, I don't believe you're going to make it, take a step back and and try to figure out where, where did we go wrong? Where did the employee go wrong? Where did the manager go wrong? Where did we miss in the process into getting them to perform to our expectations and having that tough conversation around, hey, you're not performing. Here's what we're trying to do. Here are some steps we're going to take and giving the person an opportunity to succeed. I, I mean, I will tell you, I've, I have presented people with last chance agreements and I have to say, I feel somebody saying, hey, this is your last chance. That doesn't help lift them up to perform better. I think it does the opposite where it crushes their soul saying like, I'm not going to make it anyway, so I might as well just give up. And to me, that is such a bad way to handle it because now you 100% we're going to have to replace that person versus working a little bit harder to get them where they need to be. So I just talked a lot, a lot to unpack there. Mick, what are your thoughts? I could not agree with you more. Uh, when you give that quote unquote last chance agreement, it's basically that it's all in the title. It, it basically says you're not going to make it. It's mm-hmm. not a, it's not a matter of whether or not you're going to get fired. It's a matter of when you're yes. going to get fired. We've talked so much about company culture. and We're really going to speak to it a lot more in the next few podcasts as we focus on our theme of people. But my goodness, you're you're just cru- crushing their soul. I love mm-hmm. that you said that because I was going to say spirit or whatever, but you're right. I mean, as far as from the associate or team member's perspective, you have just told them they are a failure. Mm-hmm. And these are the actions you can take to hang on a little longer. Right, right. So I, I agree. So I, I'm you've got me on the hook. I want to hear more. Yeah. So, you know, I, my advice to managers is let's, you know, let's not, I don't want to say let's get rid of them completely. There might be, you know, there there's progressive discipline is, it's one of those things where it's, it's a necessary evil in some worlds. I, I know that when it comes to an EEOC claim, you always have to provide that proof of we tried working with the employee. We set clear expectations of what was going to happen, the ramifications of not performing, of whatever it might be. Maybe the person has a tardiness issue. I get it. There are We as HR professionals have to document, document, document and prove that we worked with the employee. But I truly believe we need to be a little bit smarter about how we do it. And not necessarily consider it a tool of proof, you know, not saying, hey, that again means to an end. We need to prove that we worked with this person, but let's truly make it 
where we're working with the person and truly trying to get them to perform versus the CYA approach of, well, I know I'm going to fire them. So let's just get our paperwork in order so that when the time comes, we are clear to fire them because we've got all this paperwork to prove that we did what we needed to do. So I think it's truly just remove, sorry, removing that piece of the, you know, again, this is only for CYA and really making it about the person and helping them be successful. Now, obviously the employee has a piece of, of this that they have to own where they have to try to get better. They have to follow the steps. But if we're truly documenting and having these conversations to get them to be in a better place, it's going to work versus saying like, hey, if you in 30 days, if you don't do all of these things, you're gone. I, I like to me, I just feel like that doesn't work. And I feel like managers use that as a means to an end. And let's put the human back into what we do and help people be successful because we didn't hire them. We didn't give them that offer letter thinking that we're going to fire them. So let's take a step back. Remember the human piece of it and help people get better, have those difficult conversations, help them understand that, hey, you're not meeting expectations, but I believe in you. I want you to be successful. And here's what you need to do to get where you need to be versus saying, hey, I don't believe in you. This is your last chance. If you don't do this, you're gone. <laughs> so that's my two cents on the progressive discipline, on the crucial conversations. And again, let's be humans and put the human back in HR. Is there a benefit to separating the counseling sessions and the actual signing of a document? Mm-hmm. I, and I know you don't want it to be too far apart because then it right. seems like you're double, you know, you're giving him a whack again. But I almost feel like it should be, this is what we need to work on as it together. I'm going to mm-hmm. work on it with you. Um, let's see if we can figure out how we can, you can make this not be an issue. I'm trying to say vague things that cover most, ba- a lot more bases. Right. And then call that your planning session. Maybe later in the day say, oh, then what we'll do is we'll have you sign the documented discipline form just showing that we actually had to have a a conversation regarding it. Well, I would say even before that, like rather than immediately, let's have this as a disciplinary action. I like the idea of just having that planning meeting, discussing those expectations you're setting, discussing the plan of what the person is going to be doing. And you can have that all documented without, you know, without having it be a disciplinary action. And I think that that is a good first starting point. And clearly I would document it in like, hey, let's have this as a dated document on this day, you know, and I'm not even writing that out, but on this day we created this plan and having that plan for performance and for improvement and then taking a step forward if it's not working, then moving into the next step of, okay, we're gonna have a documented conversation saying that in on January 9th, 2020, Mick and I sat down, we, we created a plan for the next 30 days of what he was going to accomplish. Uh, the, he, did, he accomplished five out of the 10 things and here's what we're doing moving forward. And again, making it more positive versus out of the yeah. gate saying you're being disciplined because I, I feel like that always has a, ne- if you're starting out with discipline, that's going to be more of a negative and you want the person to not have any barriers to success. 
And I feel if there's a negative connotation, that's a first step of somebody starting to give up versus them working harder and wanting to achieve those goals. So that's my two cents. Everyone has their own process. Well, I think, let me, so I think I've got something in, because I know you were actually going to, you were going to move on a little bit. And I think we may have stumbled onto something or maybe it's stumbling upon something to me that you've been doing very effectively for a while. So my whole thing when I was talking about separating it was, Mm -hmm. you know, I, we would almost downplay the document part, but if I understood you correctly, I think this is brilliant so you would say, okay, we actually sat down today and we made that plan. And mm-hmm. then the follow-up on seeing how well I've done on the plan would then be where we could say, okay, well, let's do, look, here's what we discussed on this day. I have mm-hmm. it written out. Here's where you've done. Let's go ahead and have you sign or document these. But it's actually like, it's a progress report. Right. And if right. you make it positive, like, hey, you've you're, I can definitely tell you're trying, you know, I've seen efforts on this and this, you know, the things mm-hmm. we talked, you know, here are the things we said that you were working on. Tell me what's working for you so far that you were able to do this. And are there any of the things that we came up with that really weren't effective? Right. So it's a, it's, it's a growing, uh, organic almost process of their improvement. And that's something else we're going to talk about later, not today, is that, uh, one of the predictions for human resources is having this kind of more holistic approach mm-hmm. and almost organic. So the actual documentation, which is what the pencil pushers worry about to mm-hmm. CYA, like you said, so we don't have to worry about a, a lawsuit or we've covered our bases, so to speak. That is still part of the progress report, but right. you're also capturing this in writing. Yeah. And if people, you know, take a step back and they're like, well, Hannah, you know, they're they're not performing. I want to start that process. And to me, my answer would be you've if you've not already had conversations about their performance, you're the one who's failing, not them, because it you owe your team as a manager, you owe your team that uh, setting clear expectations, having them understand where they stand All of that should be happening before you start documenting things. So just keep in mind, I I think communication, clear expectations, and people knowing where they stand are keys to having a successful team. And if you're at the point where you want to be documenting them for uh, not performing, well, then take a step back. And did you do all the right steps to begin with to get to this point? Because again, I believe that certain times when you write somebody up, and discipline them, it can it can be hurtful to them, to their soul, to their ego. And did you take the right steps to begin with to get them to perform better before you say, okay, well, you know, your job is in jeopardy, so you better watch what you're doing. Like to me, that that's not going to work. And I I get I again I I know the old, the old school HR. I like to call it old school HR, but they're like, well, I need documentation. So when we fire them, you know, we've got the proof. But to me. Let's not think about when we fire them. Let's think about when we make them successful and help them do better. Because I guarantee you probably 85% of the people to 99% of people wake up in the morning not saying, hey, how am I going to suck at work today? But wanting to have a good day. So let's help them be successful versus helping them feel bad about themselves and helping them lose their uh, passion about what they're doing and lose interest in the job. And let's, that will help you with turnover, that will help you with retention, and that will help you be able to keep your great people so that you can move your business forward. 
you've got me all pumped up about this. <laughs> no, seriously, because one of the things that you know I've always been a stickler about is holding leadership accountable for yes. for developing their people for the just the communication. That's the big one with me, and mm-hmm. I have pissed off a lot of of senior leadership in board <laughs> meetings when they're like, well, so-and-so is not getting it done. I'm like, how would you know? When have you talked to him last four right. weeks ago? And so by using this method where the documentation is the progress report or review between you and the associate, mm-hmm. as you're going through and checking off what they have been able to accomplish or approve then you can make sure that management is seeing the same things you are Mm -hmm. because on both sides of the fence, like you said, the old, like I'm going to call her Mrs. Crabtree HR old school about, I just love the documentation and this, you know, what my early understanding of the holistic approach, we can really still keep tabs on what's being done. We can document it, but we can also find out What are our managers or what is leadership doing to engage their people? Because retention is one of the key components of the upcoming years on how to not just get swallowed up by the current labor force. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about how to retain top associates and performers later and things like that. But this is how you can make sure that you're getting buy-in from your management on enforcing these programs to develop people or really be involved and communicate and engage. So I love this. This is a tool that if you and I were working together right now, mm-hmm. we'd be putting this form together and presenting it to someone because I would, between the two of us, I would be like, we've got to do this. This is yes. awesome. So I no, love it. I think this is great stuff. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, I agree with you. If we were still partnered <laughs> together, we would be doing that because again, I, I think about in the, in the past, how many times I've worked with managers who've just wanted to cut ties and, and, you know, and I get it, they're reporting up to their manager who has expectations of performance and, you know, who they're being told they're held accountable for this person's performance and behaviors, but I really feel like we're skipping some steps and it's, and they're very important steps and we all know how expensive it is to replace people. And our recruiting team's already working hard enough to, uh, to fill these roles. And a lot of times they're either newly created roles or somebody's getting promoted. And those are all great reasons to recruit. But when we're recruiting purely just to replace turnover, that is not, you're never going to move forward. You're, you're going to be running in that wheel for, you know, in the hamster wheel forever and not pushing your business forward versus if you are getting people to perform, helping them achieve more, you're going to push your business forward. And that's how, that's the part of human resources that I love is I tell people like HR, I, I know a lot of times people see it as red tape, as overhead, whatever. I'm like, but if HR is doing the right thing and you're partnering with your HR partner, they can help you your business move forward and do better and make more money because you're getting the most out of, out of your human resources. So I guess that's the end of my little tirade, but I feel like if we do the right things from the beginning, we're all going to be better off in the end. 
I love it. I love it. This fits the format of why we do this podcast. We discussed last week how we were reporting on the article, not the actual survey. You opened up with the fact that you really just skimmed the article. I did. Well, that's not, but don't apologize for that because that's what the whole intent of this podcast is, is typically when you and I would have conversations about an HR topic, Mm -hmm. either at lunch or, you know, when we're both in our cars on speaker, it was usually about an article or or an incident that popped up while we were working that day. So we only got to glance at it. We didn't sit there and read it and take bullet point notes. And that is where we have come up with some of our best thinking ideas uh, and some of our best arguments and debates. And here it is. We just did that. You skimmed an article that we found this morning. You came up with some amazing points. And then here we are talking about this whole process and what we would launch together uh, as a, a multifaceted HR tool that could re-engage struggling associates, yes. hold management more accountable. And we always kind of like take a run, or I do actually, on on management, like they're the obstacle. No. when Once we make sure they realize our job is to make their job easier, right. that's when everything's working. And that's why I was so pissed off last week about that <laughs> survey saying that we were conflicted as HR leaders. Mm-hmm. And you just perfectly reinforced why I uh, lost my cool last week. I love it. Thank you for doing that, Hannah. Hey, no problem. That's, uh, that's why we're here. <laughs>